0: For the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Then he said, The kingdom of God is is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself the first blade, then the ear then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. Thanks be to God. Amen. Good morning everyone, welcome, um,
1: and my name's Jared and I'm the pastor here at uh, HWC. Last week we had, I'm just going to adjust this, sorry, because otherwise it's going to, yeah. Alright, there we go. Last week we had Donovan here, which was great, very thankful for him coming to fill in. Um, Kelcher and I, our little one Heath wasn't doing well that week and um, so yeah, we we were pretty busy and i um, very grateful for Don coming to fill in. He took us um, through some stuff in John's Gospel. Praise God that Heath is doing much better now. Thank you, everyone, for your prayers and support. Um, and so we're going to be uh, going back into Mark's gospel this morning. And if you can remember last time, we were looking at the parable of the sower. Well, today we've got more parables for you. Um, parables being earthly stories with heavenly meanings or truths of the kingdom put alongside everyday truths. And uh, the the parable of the sower, we saw four different ways Um that people hear Jesus. Um, and, and so the, those are uh, the, those who, it kind of goes in one ear, out the other. Those who hear quickly respond enthusiastically, but then fall away when times get tough. Those who crowd Jesus out over their lives um, with other things, the cares of the world, and then those who hear and accept the word of Jesus and bear fruit. They respond in turning and trusting Jesus the King. To those outside, uh, this was kept in parables. But to those who stuck around Jesus, the 12 and the other disciples, Jesus revealed the kingdom meaning uh, to those with ears to hear. Today we're going to look at three more parables in Mark where we learn more about Jesus and his coming kingdom. So please join me in prayer. Father in heaven, by your spirit, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So once again, as we've been seeing in Mark's gospel, Jesus is again with uh, talking to the crowd, and he's speaking in parables. These weren't the only parables that Jesus spoke. We can find many others in the other gospels, and Mark here, he even tells us that, In verse 33, have a look there. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. So just as with the parable of the sower, the way that we hear Jesus is vital. And Mark goes on to tell us in verse 34 that the divide between speaking in parables to the crowd and Jesus explaining everything to his disciples continued. Have a look there. He did not speak to them without a parable. But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Uh, Before we get stuck into these different parables, it's worth mentioning that Jesus uses the same illustrations to communicate different things at different times. So before we jump to conclusions about what Jesus is saying based on these illustrations from other parts of scripture, we need to make sure that we listen to what he says about the illustrations that he's using here. So there are a few that, that are um, familiar to us um, from other parts as well. So um, the lamp and the mustard seed, for example. And so we need to really try and grapple with what Jesus is using them to mean here um, before we import meaning from elsewhere um, and what he's trying to teach the crowd here. So we'll begin by looking at the light, then we'll look at the, the harvest, and then we'll look at the mustard seed. And we're really trying to understand what, is, what, are, we, what are we being taught about Jesus? The king and his kingdom. Let's start with the light. The light and the measure in verses 21 to 25. A lamp is not put under a basket or a bed. No, it's put on a stand. And that's the obvious way we're supposed to answer Jesus' question in verse 21. Is a lamp to be brought in and put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? It, It doesn't make any sense to hide a lamp. That's, that's not the purpose of a lamp. Lamps give light, and that light is to be put on display. If you've been a Christian for a while, or maybe you've been reading the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew recently, uh, you might be very familiar with Jesus using this illustration uh, to tell his disciples to let their light shine before men, that others may see their good works and glorify their Father in heaven. But is that what Jesus is using this illustration for here, I don't think so. For one thing, Jesus is primarily addressing his disciples in Matthew, where, whereas here, he, he's, he's addressing the crowd. Let's see Jesus explain why he's using this illustration of a lamp in verse 22. He tells us, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. You see, Jesus seems to be talking not so much about us shining our lights, but about how God has ordered the universe. God has made and planned the world in such a way that what is hidden at one time will be made known. What is secret will come to light. That is to say, while things may be hidden for a while, there will come a time where everything is made plain. God has designed his universe that way. Uh, In light of what we read in this section about the message of Jesus the King being hidden in parables from those without ears to hear, we can see that this truth of Jesus being the King will not remain hidden forever. It was hidden in order to be made manifest. It wasn't hidden in order to remain hidden forever. We saw last time that this message was hidden from those who hardened themselves towards Jesus those who turned a blind eye and a deaf ear to him. Like the Pharisees, whose continuing rejection of Jesus had escalated to plotting his murder. And while there were those who did not hear, for all those with ears to hear, they did. For those with eyes to see, they saw Jesus the King and his kingdom. The message of Jesus the King was told in parables to the crowds, always in the knowledge that it would come to light. And that's true, isn't it? I mean, we think about how that happened in various stages. The the message of Jesus the King continued to to grow from there, to be spread by his disciples. And God tells us elsewhere in scripture that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That means one day everyone will, Without exception, we'll see that Jesus is king and will acknowledge his kingship. Doesn't mean that everyone will be saved, but everyone will know without a doubt that Jesus is the king. And this truth is being proclaimed around the world. This truth that is currently being proclaimed will one day be plain for all to see. And that's why Jesus again says in verse 23 what he's already been saying. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. It's crucial that we hear the message of Jesus the King and respond the way he calls us to by turning away from our rebellion against him and trusting him as our savior and king. Like in the parable of the sower, how we hear Jesus is crucial. We can't just let the sound waves bounce around in one ear, out the other. No, no. We need to truly hear Jesus. True hearing is to understand what he's saying. It's to accept it and to be changed by what we hear. And that's why he says in verse 24, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added. We must pay attention to what Jesus is saying. The measure with which we hear Jesus will be measured to us. There are different amounts of hearing, and that's about how seriously we listen to Jesus. Not, not did you read through, you know, the whole Bible in one day? It's, um, you know, how, how, how are you hearing Jesus? How, how are we seriously hearing him? Are we taking his words to heart? Do we take Jesus at his word? Do we believe him when he tells us that he's the king of the whole world? Because the choice we make has eternal consequences, And we think about how Mark has structured his gospel. It's just amazing that he he shows us, here's Jesus. He comes in on the scene. He's proclaiming his kingdom. He gets baptized. He goes out and he does his ministry. He's forgiving sinners. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. The opposition is intensifying to the point where people want to murder him. And now we get into some of his teaching. And Mark is telling us, as Jesus told the people then, listen to Jesus. Uh, as we continue in Mark, there are going to be some things which uh, Jesus is going to say that are hard sayings. Um, he's, he's going to call us to carry our cross and follow him. And so Mark and Jesus is, is t- are telling us right here, listen to him. Listen to Jesus. The, the way in which we hear Jesus has eternal consequences. Jesus says this in, in verse 25. For to the one who has, more will be given and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. At first glance, we may think that sounds really unfair. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. I mean, the guy with half a piece of bread is not going to have that. And the guy in the palace is going to get another palace. Like, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. Um, he's, 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 not, he's not talking about um, <laughs> material blessings or anything like that. Um, Jesus isn't saying uh, the, the rich are going to get richer and the poor are going to get poorer. What he's, he's talking about is, um, is hearing and hearing Jesus. And so in order to explain this in a way that I think is quite helpful, we need to make a distinction, and that's between what's called special grace, which is really God's grace of salvation, where he rescues sinners from judgment, and common grace, which are things like the rain and the sun and food. Um, Special grace is only given to God's people and common grace is given to everyone. So, when we look at Jesus' words in verse 25, um, it makes it clear that um, for those who are the recipients of special grace, that's those who hear Jesus truly, they will have at the end of time as their inheritance everything from God. And Jesus' words also make plain that even common grace will be absent from the eternity that awaits those who reject Jesus. And the difference is all about hearing, how we hear Jesus the King. So we need to pay attention to how we hear. We need to listen to Jesus the King and believe in him. Continuing on with the harvest, like the parable of the sower, we again have a sower and we have seed and we have production of grain. The man sows the seed on the ground, the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. In verse 26, we've got words that are reminiscent of the parable of the sower. There's a man who scatters seed on the ground. Using the parable of the sower and Jesus' explanation that he gave to help us, we can see that the man sows the word. He's telling people about Jesus the king, which is the message of the word of God, the Bible. Like the fourth group in the parable of the sower, this seed is bearing fruit. It's producing grain. Have a look with me at verse 27. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. So clearly, the seed is producing grain. It's fruitful, wonderful. The fact that we're told the man sleeps and rises, and that he doesn't have a clue how the the growth is coming about, and the earth is producing the growth by itself, points to the fact that it's not humans producing the growth, but God. God himself produces the fruit. God brings about the growth and the grain production. And that's a great relief to us, isn't it? Because those people whom we love and care for who don't know Jesus, the family member, the friend, the work colleague, the classmate, them having a fruitful response to Jesus depends upon God's work in them by his spirit, not upon how well we tell them about Jesus. Notice that this doesn't mean we do nothing. Um, no, we still we still tell them about Jesus. We um, still show them love. Um, but we find great comfort in knowing that it's God by his spirit who takes us from that state of being dead in sin to life in Christ, just like he did for all of us who believe. And that's a great relief. It leads us to pray, to ask God by his spirit, to be at work in those who don't know him, that they might trust in Jesus too. If you're anything like me, you might find that a relief, but also quite a challenge. uh, Because we want to do something to save our family member, our friend, our work colleague, our classmate. But we can't. And that could lead to us feeling helpless. But actually, it should be the greatest comfort in those relationships. The God who is love. The God who made that person, who loves them perfectly, more than we do, who doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked and doesn't want anyone to perish, is there anyone else we'd rather be in charge of what happens there? <laughs> no. It, it doesn't mean that God will always save the people we ask him to. But there is great comfort and hope in knowing our gracious and loving God and crying out to him in prayer, knowing that he does answer our prayers. Not always the way that we'd hope, but he he has a plan. And as we follow Jesus, the ultimate sower, we too sow the seed of the word. We read the Bible with people, we tell people about Jesus, and God produces the growth. Can you see there how the harvest takes time to arrive, and yet the appointed time comes suddenly? There are two truths there that fit perfectly together. Have a look with me at verses 28 to 29. There's the blade, the ear, then the full grain in the ear. So you see there's a progression there. That takes time. There's growth. It takes time. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So the harvest is, is, it takes time to arrive. So we don't need to be discouraged that it's been 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth. He's still coming. Uh, He hasn't forgotten about all of us. It's all happening in his timing. It takes time. But Jesus' words here also show that the arrival of the harvest, when it does come, is sudden. It happens at once. The sickle is put in without delay. The harvest is still coming, so don't worry. And the harvest is coming suddenly, so be ready. God will gather his people in. And those who aren't his people will will not be gathered in. Once again we see the need to have ears to hear Jesus and his message of salvation while there is still time. There is still time now, but we don't know how long there is left. So come to Jesus without delay. The kingdom like a mustard seed We again find Jesus using an illustration that we may be familiar with from elsewhere in the word where he talks about faith like a mustard seed. But once again, we have to hold our horses on thinking that Jesus is using the illustration in necessarily the same way that he uses it elsewhere. And we need to look what he says about it here in Mark. Jesus here compares the kingdom of God to a grain of mustard seed. And what's the big thing about the mustard seed? What's the big deal about the seed? Well, the big thing about the mustard seed is not the seed. <laughs> Have a read with me in verses 31 and 32. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade so what's the big thing about the mustard seed it grows and it grows and it grows it starts tiny and ends massive uh there was a i remember being uh, at school and one of the kids in my i think i think it was in my year or around there was quite small so that they called him tiny um and the I remember one of the teachers saying, I really hope he grows up really, really big and they still call him tiny. (laughs) Um, And and so what we have here with the the mustard seed um, is we've got the smallest of the seeds that grows into the biggest of the plants. So big that even the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And clearly it is a big plant from a tiny seed. So in what way is the kingdom like that? Uh, how, how, how How is a kingdom like a tiny seed that grows into a massive plant? Well, Jesus started with a small group of followers, didn't he? Some fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot who didn't care much for the Romans, and a few others. And how does Jesus' kingdom grow? Exponentially. I mean, think about it. Our world uses a calendar based on his birth. The date might not be exact, but it's the thought that counts. (laughs) Jesus is the most prominent historical figure to have ever walked the earth. He's the most well-known person of history. He has more followers than anyone else. Billions of people claim to be his followers. And God is still bringing his people in, even now, and will be continuing to do so until the end. I mean, think about this for a moment. How easy is it to look at the world and think everything is going horribly wrong? To have a very negative outlook on things. The world is turning its back on Jesus with ever increasing intensity. We as Christians are no longer viewed as harmless, well meaning, if slightly deranged charity workers, but as harmful, dangerous, and to be avoided. But we have a biblical basis to have a positive outlook. God is bringing his people in and Jesus' kingdom is growing and his kingdom is shown to be the largest of all the kingdoms and is the only kingdom that endures for eternity. So don't be discouraged. Even when things aren't going our way, because Jesus is still on the throne and he will be forever and he is growing his kingdom. Often the times of adversity directed At Jesus, people lead to the times of the greatest growth in his kingdom with many more people coming in. Let's join together in prayer that God will, by his grace, cause people to be dissatisfied with what the world offers and be hungry for the Lord Jesus, who alone can satisfy. Uh, I want to end this morning uh, talking about a country song. Now, I love country music. Maybe, maybe that makes you angry. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you had no idea. Or maybe you drive a truck and like the uh, cold, cold beer. <laughs> but this is a country song that I don't like. So, you know, maybe that's common ground for us. Um, and it's called No Hurry. And why don't I like it? Well, it sends completely the wrong message to people. That's why. Uh, it's a song about um, procrastination that starts with some pretty trivial stuff. You know, putting off, washing the car mowing the lawn, your usual country song kind of stuff. But then there's a long instrumental followed by the following words. I'll read them to you. When I must return to the cold, cold ground, have them take their time when they lay this sinner down. Heaven knows that I ain't perfect. I've raised a little cane and I plan to raise a whole lot more before I hear those angels sing. Gonna get right with the Lord, but there'll be hell to pay. But I ain't in no hurry, and then later, ain't in no hurry today. So, why do I have an issue with that? Well, it rhymes, but (laughs) I don't have a problem with rhyming. The message being preached here is pretty much the opposite of the message that Jesus has been preaching in the parables that we've been looking at today. I mean, sure, there's a little bit of truth in there saying that we're not perfect, but aside from that, it's wrong. Uh, The message of this song is in essence the world's message with Christianized language. Keep living life on your terms. And don't worry. Do what you want. You can get right with God later. On your deathbed, maybe. Procrastinate with jobs. Procrastinate with Jesus. Procrastinate yourself into judgment. Verse 29. But when the grain is ripe, At once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You see, the harvest is coming. The time when God will gather his people in. Burying our heads in the sand and pretending that it isn't doesn't change the reality. Maybe you've been living life like this song. I'll get right with God later. I urge you to come to Jesus today. It doesn't make life easier here and now following Jesus, um, but it is completely worth it. The Bible tells us that the, the difficulties that we'll face in this life for following Jesus are so far outweighed by the glory to come that there's no comparison. And our response to Jesus determines where we spend forever. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to judge. Don't be caught off guard. Jesus isn't some horrible meanie looking to ruin all your fun. He's the fully God, fully man, saviour king who died to save you. If anyone in this entire world is worth living for, it's Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus... King of the whole world, we praise you. Lord, we, we've we read in your word this morning of uh, your parables that you, you speak to us. We've read of how uh, things that, that are hidden will all come to light. Uh, we thank you that, that your kingship, Lord Jesus, is becoming more and more known in the world and one day will be known by all. Lord, grant that each and every one of us would come to terms with you today, that we wouldn't delay, but that we would put our trust in you, Jesus, as king lord we we see uh, that the harvest is coming, um, we don't know exactly when but we do know that we need to be ready. so Lord, we come to you confessing that we are sinners lord we we mess up we we often want to live life our way, we'd rather call the shots and be the ruler then um, submit to you, and for that, Lord, we are sorry. We turn away from that, Lord, and we trust in you, Jesus, the only rightful ruler of the world forevermore. And we ask, Lord, that you would be merciful to us. You'd be merciful to us, sinners, that we might know you and be uh, living with you forever in glory. We thank you that that is the secure hope that you offer to all who come to you, Jesus, and trust in you. So we do that now. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen.